Welcome in, Kiara, to a, another episode of The Podfathers, a Slam Diego Padres podcast. Here, per usual, on a Sunday night, coming to you live. The game's almost done, looking good in the seventh inning so far. We got Los and Walls on the call. Los, how has your weekend been so far, my friend? What is up? Episode 18. We are officially legal. Week <laughs> um, <laughs> was good. Hectic week at work. Um, my softball league started up. Your boy went two for two, one RBI, a couple. I was flashing the leather at short. I was kind of the rover out there, but I solidified my position as the uh, shortstop, I think. Hasong Los is what the people were calling me out there. I was just kind of Ooh. making plays left and right. Um, weekend was good. Uh, the Podfathers made their first uh, appearance at a game together this year. Uh, I was a little sauced up by the time I got to the game. Me and uh, my girlfriend had a couple, few too many shots. I think we came in hot. We might have scared, we might have scared Ryan and uh, his girlfriend, but um, it was a lot of fun, first of many. So yeah, the weekend was was really good. I was feeling a little rough yesterday, but made it out to that game as well. Got to see a lot of runs, which is awesome. And yeah, weekend was good. Walls, how was your weekend and week? It was pretty good. Yeah, no, week was pretty hectic with work per usual. I mean, don't want to get too much in, into that because look forward to the weekend. You know, every every Friday Eve comes around, you're like, ooh, let's go. Um, but yeah, no, Friday, don't worry about Friday. Uh, Friday, we were at the Blind Burrow right before, so uh, we definitely were not uh, sober living, per se, <laughs> at the time the game rolled around. But that was a blast. Uh, post a little pic on the, on the timeline there just to – let y'all know what our faces look like. So yeah. We've really done that. We, have, uh, <laughs> we got Grisham flipping off the camera as our profile picture on Twitter. So um, clearly don't know what we probably look like. But uh, yeah, no, that was a that was an awesome game so far this weekend. It's been been going good. Hopefully we can close the game out here. We got it. Got a little live action rolling on in the background. So hopefully I don't get distracted and uh, and lose my words. But overall, yeah, doing doing pretty swell. Yeah, I don't think I, I think it was we had a great time. Um, but once once I got that second or third Bud Light in me, the the chirping started to happen, started yelling out some Cronin girths. Um, Ooh, that was that was live. Yep. <laughs> and but I mean, no fights, no fights. Can't say the same about our fellow Padre fan in Colorado this week. Um, video was making the rounds. And I'm sure most of you listening have seen it. If not, um, just type up Padres fan on Google. And the first thing that pops up is this video. Quick play by play. Basically, you see a Padres fan solo. This guy is dolo walking, beelining towards a Rockies fan. Very aggressive. You know something's about to go down. Next thing you know, kind of a sucker punch, in my opinion. But at the same time, a little bit. If you see a guy beelining it to you, he's not going to go give you a hug. All right. You should you should at least have the hands up, maybe boxing stance, at least give him a quick one two like defensive things, you know. But my guy absolutely slept him, made him go memes. The glasses came off. He literally turned into a folding chair um, is probably the best way that I can describe it. And I don't know. I'm not I don't condone violence. 
Um, this guy probably had it coming to him. I've read in some places that he was throwing the racial slurs around. And honestly, Ooh. yeah, I mean, he, he, he had it coming for someone to get that pissed off and come in solo. We aren't Dodger fans. We don't have a mob mentality to where we just beat up people in, in groups. Like this guy was literally Lone Ranger out there, hits the guy, backs up. And then just gets mobbed by Rockies. He accepts it too. Like, it's not like he tried to fight the four or five other guys. He literally just kind of laid back and let them all grab him. So for him to do all of that, the actions, in my opinion, scream that this guy deserved it. Rockies PD or Denver PD even reached out to the guy after the game or whatever. They located him and he declined to press charges. So that tells me he was in the wrong. Um, he was probably a Colorado Karen of some sort, just like throwing out some nasty stuff. And um, I don't want to say it was beautiful, but it was a mean right hook. He gave him that Canelo Alvarez. He put him to sleep. So it was uh, it was pretty exciting. What do you think? I know you saw it. Yeah. My very first question was, why is this guy walking <laughs> with such anger to go sock this guy in the face? Like something had to be said, you know, yeah. like every time you see these videos on the Internet, you just see the the moment. You never see the buildup or the lead up. And like you said, not condoning any violence here, but either he was completely hammered and just was acting irrationally or something spurred that type of reaction. And like you said, which great deep dive on the analysis, by the way, <laughs> that about the police and everything, that was fantastic. But to have the cops reach out to him and him to not press charges Clearly, they didn't. He didn't want them looking into the situation any deeper. See if anything could be brought up in the, uh, you know, the build up to that to that moment is my my feeling. So, uh, yeah, something something bad must have been been said. I did see that too about the the racial slurs getting getting thrown about. And if so, I mean, this guy's kind of a borderline hero. Classic that a Padres yeah. fan's a hero all by him, all by his lonesome, standing up for the greater good by himself in Colorado, where anything goes down. So. Yeah, no, that was uh that was pretty gnarly. It got it got big. It was on Barstool Sports, like it yeah. was everywhere. But man, clean right hook. Like you said, a little bit of a sucker punch. Definitely, yeah, definitely. But at the same but time, clean. if if this guy's coming at you and you guys have been chirping, you Hands at up. least get a little defensive, you know. And I I I wish I thought of this. Like I can't take credit for it, but someone said that was the hardest hit um, at Coors Field this season. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty great. Um, but yeah, take a look at it. Knockout of the year so far, rivaling Canelo's last uh, knockout of Billy Joe Saunders. <sighs> but um, moving on, individual hitting leaders of the week. The bats are finally coming alive. Um, interesting thing, though. Tatis has missed a lot of time this year. Still leads the team with home runs. He's at nine. Manny, RBIs, 26. Tatis, stolen bases at seven. Crone um, with 43. This is as of this morning. Game's going on right now. I believe he has at least one, maybe two, at least one. So he's just extending his his um, lead on the leaderboard on the hits and then average Grish and Hosmer at three Oh five, but same thing. Grish has a hit at least one today. Um, so he might be in sole possession of the average leaderboard. And then as far as pitchers go, Darvish at two Oh eight ERA leads the team Musgrove and Darvish tied with 59 strikeouts. And then Melanson, a perfect 13 for 13 saves. 
Yeah, that's money. I, I, uh, one thing I really want to touch on right there too, is the fact that you said Tatis not playing so many games right now and him sticking the team in home runs and stolen bases just goes to show that when he's on the field, he's absolutely electric. Yeah. And, you know, clearly we don't want him getting COVID and whatnot, but at least it's not a physical injury. So not another shoulder, you know, re-injury or, or something like that. So hopefully he can come back here soon and, and continue kind of where he, where he left off and build where he left off as well. And hopefully he's working on his ground balls right now, but yeah. Awesome. And then last point I want to make about stats right there is 2.08 for Darvish ERA. That is an ACE right there, but month and a half into the season, he is holding it down for the starting pitching for this squad. And just everyone's kind of following suit, whether it's starters, relievers, whatever the case may be. They're really building off that, you could tell. And we haven't had that lockdown ace for a long time. I know Lamette was fantastic last year, but I'm kind of just eliminating that a little bit just because of how short the season was and whatnot. So just so cool to see see you absolutely tearing it up. And then quickly, too, before we get into the recap, just want to apologize about the audio last week. Um, my dial-up apparently just wasn't hmm. wanting to dial up at all. I don't even know how dial up works, to be honest with you. Um, so hopefully the hamsters are running a little quicker tonight and you'll get some some good quality Podfathers content where I'm not talking super fast and buffering and then talking super slow. It was horrible. So uh, as you can tell, we didn't really promote last week's at all, but appreciate those that, that uh, grinded through and listen. Uh, we appreciate all for that. But anyways, hopping into the recap from this past week. First series, Rockies. Uh, finally, we play the dead last team in, in the stacked NL West, so we can kind of start to balance out the strength of schedule here. And what do you know? Game one, postponed. We had a little bit of rain, a little bit of snow in Denver. Shocker, it's May 16th, and it's still snowing over there randomly. And then that led to the game being, being postponed. Unfortunately, that wasn't the only bit of news that night. Apparently, uh, Tatis before the game before game two started Tatis got diagnosed or with a positive COVID test and uh, Jerickson Profar and Mateo both were in close contact so per the contract tracing protocols of the MLB they have to sit out seven days if I'm not mistaken yeah uh, is the the list there the amount of days on the COVID list and then during the game of game two which we'll get into uh, Myers apparently tested positive and Hosmer was a uh, contract was under that contract tracing protocol. And he had a funny little uh, gif on Twitter too, where he was just, you know, obviously didn't, didn't want to step out. And he, I don't believe any of those other three have tested positive. I know they keep it kind of under wraps too, because it's pretty personal and whatnot and whatnot, but I don't think that the other three have tested positive. So that is good. So going into game two, you're going, okay, is it triple a Padres with a Manny Machado and Grisham sprinkled in like, how the heck are we going to going to get this win? Of course, everything's looking good. We're going into the series, all this, then all this happens and we're playing the last place team with pretty much like a triple a MLB squad. And it turns out to be an eight, one win for the boys. Lamette opened two innings pitched, one hit, one earned one walk, one strikeout. So pretty even across the board there. And then the bullpen, as it has been all year, just absolutely lights out. Miguel Diaz, Mick Diaz, uh, coming in, coming coming in with a uh, three innings, one hit night, and the bullpen collectively, which was uh, Miguel Diaz, Stammen, 
Pierce Johnson and Tim Hill with a collective seven innings pitched, two hits and no walks. So that was just absolutely phenomenal. Core's effect with the bats, Cronworth and Machado combined with four for eight, four runs, two walks, five RBIs. All of those RBIs were Manny's. He was absolutely on fire, which you love to see with all those guys out. We needed someone to step up, and those two definitely did. So overall, game one, which was technically game two, turned out to be game one of the series. Turned out pretty good. Yeah. yeah, it was huge. Um, after how we finished last weekend, wanted to keep that momentum going, and the postponed game was the first hiccup. And then, yeah, I mean – the COVID it's tough. It's tough to lose half of your team, but it was able to showcase our depth and game one was definitely a really good sign rolling into game two. Really, really exciting game. I, I, I like the seven innings. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, gray looked like he was going to go to the distance, but we were able to break through in the sixth four runs um, big one coming from our boy Vicky Jam with the grand slam, <laughs> just an absolute rocket to right field. Um, Darvish only went four innings, but top of the fifth, two on, two outs. Caratini intentionally walked to get to him. Tingler decides to pinch it with Nola. Nola's beaned, and then Trent Grisham drops one of the most beautiful bunts oh. I've ever seen. I mean, he even had a leg kick on the bunt. Like it was the, it was, it was, it was baby bottom soft, just, just a perfect kiss off the bat mm. down the left, uh, left field line. And, um, I mean, it was as great and perfectly executed of a bunt as you could possibly have. So that was huge. Um, but they, yeah, they were able to stick it out. No end of the game with a crazy grab. They didn't make it, um, they made me nervous again. Melanson oh, yeah. came in, thought they were going to blow it. Everyone was freaking out. But Nola, who I know we talk about how great he is behind the plate, but he's shown his versatility this week playing a little first base. But that catch was ridiculous. I don't know what um, Marcano was doing in right field. I guess he must have been – he had to have been pretty deep because that's a right fielder's ball. But Nola made the crazy catch to cap that game and we secured the series win, which is what we need to do. And they got it done with half a major league roster. Yeah. I mean, that, that catch was phenomenal. I just, it kind of felt like the wheels were falling off and it was like, Oh gosh, they're getting momentum. Here we go. And then when you see that little blooper off the bat with how it was all unraveling, you're like, Oh, this is going to fall. This is for sure going to fall. And just all credit to, to Nola for, like you said, being behind the dish for, for that long all season. And then just right off the bat, you know, Tuesday comes around. And it's like, yo, you got to go back to second base where you started in the minors. Like just hopefully you still have that glove and you know, the, the ability to do so. So to close the game out like that was, was absolutely fantastic. A um, couple other points I want to add that just silky smooth bunt from Grisham. Like you said, did you notice how high up his hand, he like full gripped the very top of the bat yeah. to really deaden that. Um, and I thought that that technique was just absolutely fantastic. And then one thing I did not like, it didn't really matter too much because I mean, it kind of did, but was having Melanson come in for the five out safe. I, yeah. Like it's a seven inning game. 
So clearly you have, I know we pulled you early. Um, you went four innings, so you got to make up another three, but you got a fresh bullpen for the most part. Well, not that's not true. They they worked a little bit the day before because Lamette only went the two innings, but you're still only pitching seven innings. So I feel like you could have at least mixed in another arm and just held 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 Melanson out until the ninth, or sorry, the seventh in this case, which is the ninth inning, and then potentially used him later in the day. I don't know if they just if he was coming in the game, then he for sure wasn't gonna pitch the second one. So they're just trying to get as much mileage out of him. But I just thought that was a little little bit of a questionable decision by tingler there yeah i wasn't a huge fan of it myself at the time i was thinking why are we putting in like palm or someone else it yeah later find out that he's hurt so he's on the il now but still mm-hmm. i i i totally agree i i didn't really understand that move and i mean he got the bases juiced and he got us out of it but it it was probably the most scary outing by far of the season for him. And he's done it before not to, not to say anything about him, but he's, he's a one inning guy. Let's keep him to that. We, we didn't really need to stretch him out the five outs right there in my opinion either. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that was, it's not only five outs, 37 pitches. I want to say that that was maybe a career high for him too. So that's that's a that's a lot of laboring in there, especially because he's been on fire, and you don't want to kind of have that really tiresome outing uh, right there. But yeah, anyways, on to on to game three, aka game two of the doubleheader. We took a two to three loss. Uh, this one was a little disappointing, just because we definitely could have got the win. Less disappointing in the sense that we already won the series, like you said. Uh, an eighth inning, extra inning walk off for Colorado. That's gonna just sound weird from here on out. Whenever that happens, uh, Snell was on the bump. Four innings pitched, five hits, two earned, three walks, seven strikeouts. I I don't know. It might be a little too early to to sound the panic button, but he has not looked very comfortable all year. Uh, bats were quiet once again. Came back to tie it at a two to two. Caratini with the clutch RBI single. He's just been, I mean, I love Ryan Cohen put on Twitter. He said, I love the fact that we got you Darvish in the, in the Victor Caratini trade. And I thought that was hilarious because he's turning out to be that important of a piece. Yeah. Um, And then I guess last bit here too, from game three, don't want to go into this too much, but my two questions for you, is it too early to panic for Blake Snell with his performances? And number two, that Cronworth play at the plate, was that the right call? Do you think that he had a lane? I mean, I know that I saw Bob Scanlon pretty ticked about it on Twitter and he's usually pretty even keeled and whatnot. So I, there's, I think there's definitely something to it that something was off there. Um, so Blake Snell. No, I don't think it's, or yes, I do think it's too early. He's, <laughs> he's, he's got the stuff. All right. It's, it's mental right now and it's a little mechanics in my opinion. Um, but that's not to say, so I'm not, I'm not pushing the panic button, but my mm-hmm. hand is like, it's, 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 <laughs> it's inching towards it. You know, the, the case, the case of the button is open and it's, it's there. It's just looming, so but case no, is open. It, yeah. Case is open. Officially case is open, mark it down, but we're not pushing the button just yet. But yeah, I mean, he's averaging four and a third innings pitch. He's, He's basically a glorified opener, not like a full-on starter at this point. Like him and Craig Stammen throw the same amount of innings 
basically at this point. But no, I think um, there's still a long, long season. And last time I, I touched the panic button last week on the bats, they do what they did this week. And not mm-hmm. to say that they're there yet, but I mean, we're, we're hitting the ball a lot better now. So um, no, there's still plenty of time, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the thing that's kind of been his biggest knock his whole career. And it was a big headline coming out here that he wants to get past the second time around in the lineup. And we still haven't seen it yet. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be a constant topic until it's not. So hopefully he figures it out in the next, next couple of uh, innings. But at the end of the day, I mean, as long as he pitches well towards the end of the season and does what he did in the playoffs last year for the Rays, for us, none of this is going to matter. So, no, I'm, I'm not going to panic, but I, I do want to see more, obviously, because I know what he can do, and I know the potential is there. He just needs to execute. Um, as far as Cronenworth's play, yeah, I thought it was a bad call. They should have called that, changed the game completely, and – just another bad, another bad call by the umpires. I, what do you think? Is it, I know everyone is absolutely tearing umpires apart this season, especially mm-hmm. now that the strike zone in particular is, is looming the electronic strike zone. Do you think, have they always been this bad or is it like, is it a new thing that they are just obscenely bad? I think that they're definitely under more of a watchful eye, especially with that looming. Um, And then just there's increased technology. I mean, you see before it would be only on like a national broadcast that you'd see the strike zone. Yeah. And then it turned into the local broadcast have it. And then like even ESPN can like rotate this 3D image if it like grazes the edge and whatnot. So they're definitely having to step their game up for sure. And then on top of it, you see that thing on Twitter, that account on Twitter called Umpire Scorecards, which is fantastic. Um, Absolutely fantastic. And it breaks down the accuracy, the consistency, and what calls are missed and whatnot. And so I think that there's just a lot more attention onto that. I don't know if they've necessarily been worse because I'd have to look at data in the past that we have available to us now. But I do know that I've seen a over, over multiple different sports. Now, don't get me wrong. I love technology in sports. I love instant replay and whatnot, just to make sure that they get the call right. But I think that a lot of these umpires, referees, judges are relying on that technology and the fact that they know that they can fall back on something. So they're not as stressed out to make a, a call right off the bat um, where you know, in the, in the past, that would have been it. Now they can go back and just be like, you know what, let me take a look at that. So I think it's affecting their initial judgment a little bit. And that's just my personal take with that being said, they've been awful this year. They've been absolutely awful. Like I just saw a pitch the other day on, um, Corey Seager's brother, uh, in, um, Kyle Seager, I think in, Mm -hmm. on the Mariners and Angel Hernandez rung him up on a pitch that was like four inches above the top of the strike zone. So yeah, they have been awful this year, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. And especially with, with all of the technology, like you said, you would think it would help at, especially something with like instant replay, they still get stuff wrong when, when you watch those back and, 
Um, I think the biggest part that's frustrating for the fans is that they don't get reprimanded when they have a bad game. Like there's no really way to. No, there's more, you know, like I, they can mm-hmm. be terrible. Like the, the umpires today in the Cardinals game, he's calling it both ways. So I guess it's even, but they were some of the worst uh, blown calls I've seen all season, which is saying a lot. And at the end of the game, when it's all over, he's going to go home, go to his next game and probably do it all over again. There's no way to enforce no fine, it. No recommendation. It, yeah, nothing. Exactly. So I think that's probably the most frustrating part because yeah, it's the, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes and you're, you're, you're right. You're not probably right. You are right. That with technology and access to more video access to more games, people's voices appearing loud on Twitter. The scrutiny is just going to be tenfold of what it used to be. But if there's no way to make it any better, it's just, it's not helping the game at all. So it's been, it's been pretty frustrating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I just, uh, I would really like to see something. Yeah. Get done in that sense to where I know they're in a union too. So that always makes it extra difficult. But to just have some sort of accountability to, you know, if you if you're X percent awful like Joe West and Angel Hernandez, you yeah. shouldn't be umpiring for 30, 40 years, you know, going forward. So right. I don't know. But anyways, moving on from that. Appreciate your your insight on that with Snell Cronworth and, and the umps. Not a fan of the umps right now. So let's get that off our off our chest. But uh recap Cardinal series game one, podfather game. Uh, you guys are welcome for the 12 walks, a.k.a. Peco Park record in one game. Apparently, we're a good, uh, good influence on that. Uh, it must have been Carlos's heckling for Cronengirth for out there. But um, anyways, Musgrove looked great right off the bat. Fired me up to hear the Tribal Seeds in person for the first time. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was awesome. And he looked ready to go until about the fifth inning. He started to fade. Pitch count got up there a little bit. But... In the end, five innings pitched, one earned run, and that's pretty much all you can ask for for a starter. I mean, ideally, you'd want to go a little bit longer in the game, but anyways, good good outcome uh, from from No No Joe right there. Machado is coming in clutch again, two for three, two RBIs, two walks, and Ivan Castillo made his MLB debut. Last part that I want to add here is Hassan Kim continues to dazzle with the glove and outrageous double play there uh to get out of the inning so i don't know just overall i was very impressed i thought maybe if this if this went another inning we might not get the job done just because it felt like the cardinals were starting to gain a little bit of gain a little bit of steam uh arnado's homer in the in the ninth there was a little bit sketch off of our you know nearly perfect melanson uh, but just overall, extremely impressive performance from the boys. To be that patient with five guys up from AAA, uh, you can't really ask for more from from that roster against a Cardinals team that has been rolling lately. So yeah, extremely impressed with them. Yeah, arguably the best team in the National League coming into this series. So uh, very big win. I'm gonna be completely honest with you here. I was um, I don't know if it was just being a little sauced up. Uh, being with you at the game, we ran into my girlfriend's, uh, brother and his girlfriend at the game, but I, I don't remember a whole lot of this game. I I wasn't paying too much attention. So shame on me as a Padre fan, but the Padre, the Podfathers brought the good juju. Like you said, 
12 walks, single game record, and we got the dub. It was um, it was great to see. A lot of fun. Like you said, tribal re- tribal seeds bumping. Um, Tommy Fam came out, changed his walk-up song to that new yep. J. Cole. So maybe that will be the next one. He's starting to heat up, too. We like to... We like to put the spotlight on the guys that heat up. No um, walk-up song analysis this week, but possibly next week. Um, but rolling into game two, 13-3 W. And I have a question for you, Walls. Yeah. I, I hate how much stress the Padres induce into my life. They've given mm-hmm. me a couple of gray hairs. I noticed my first... Uh, first gray hair or two this year. And I think that they're directly correlated to Padres games. But then I go to a game like this and don't get me wrong. I love offense. I love to see the boys hit Mamo shots. Tommy with the two run Homer, Hasong with the Homer, Nola with the Homer. It's beautiful, but I feel like I like the closer games a lot more. I, I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm not out of it, but I, I enjoy, I think, I think I live for the stress as much as I love to say, <laughs> I hate it. I think I need that stress in my life. Yeah. And, and the, this last year it's been good stress. So yeah. before it was like just absolute crap stress to where like you knew, Oh great. We have a five to three lead. We are, you know, we're going to lose this game somehow. So I think that's where, but with that being said, like if you have that like quote unquote good stress of like, we could totally pull through, we can come from behind, we can hold on to this lead. It's even more stressful because you have something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, and I think paired with that, and how long the games have been recently, which I don't know what is up with the pace of play, but it is like we were sitting there in the fourth inning. This is probably why we didn't pay attention to the entire game. It was the fourth inning and it had been almost three hours. Yeah. So we were, we were ready to, uh, to speed that one up and we love baseball too, but that was, that was a long game. (laughs) Uh, With that being said, I did not mind the fact that it was a blowout this game. I was very excited to sit back, see what they could do with the bats, but I I get what you mean. You kind of check out a little bit once they're up by, you know, four or five, six runs. And you're just like, eh, on to the next one. I'm just going to, you know, talk to my buddies and and watch the game. But with that being said, got the pod fathers famous on the big screen. I, yeah, that was pretty cool. I, uh, I was a little camera shy. I'm not going to lie. My buddies were right in front of the camera and I was kind (laughs) of, I think I, maybe another reason why I was checked out, I was DD that night. So my boys were having the time of their life. I was, I, I I was itching for a drink. Um, I'm sounding like an alcoholic right now. I promise (laughs) you I'm not, but they were, they convinced me to get in the shot and it was pretty cool. First time on the season. So Podfather is famous, made it to the big screen. Um, hopefully, hopefully not the not the last time. Um, I got a good stat for you. So we hung a 13 spot on the cards. In total, 11 different Padres recorded at least one hit. And that's the first time that's happened since 2017. Um, so that was pretty cool. Crone went three for four. Obviously, it touched on the home runs. Uh, fam with his first, Ha Song with his second, Nola with his first. But let's not give credit to our guy Paddock. I mean, he he looked pretty solid. I mean, what what more do we want out of him? Four innings pitch, three hits, one run, one earned, one walk, two strikeouts. So 
Um, obviously it's easy when you get the run support and he has gotten the run support um, throughout the season, but it looked good, man. I, I, I kind of had some, I was kind of up uh, in the nosebleeds, but uh, the changeup looked good. The curveball looked good. He was pumping the fastball. It was touching 97 again. So yeah. um, he's starting to, he's starting to look like vintage paddock and you can just tell in the interviews after the games, he, he seems a lot more comfortable and, I mean, he said it. It was beautiful how he said it. He basically said, I've, I'm getting that confidence back in the fastball mm-hmm. and I'm going to dare them to hit it and I'm going to try to just shove it down there. And he, he's he been pitching a lot better. So it was great to see. Yeah, I, I mean, if he can hit 97, 98, which he, he got up to 98 on the broadcast, um, then that is a different type of pitcher than going 93, 95 with the, yeah. the way that he wants to pitch. Um, and then if he can keep developing that curveball as well, we know that his changeups got great stuff. Um, but he he loves the pump, the high cheddar. He loves that fastball up in the zone. So if he can mix it up with a really effective curveball there, which you see it's coming, like it's getting there. Yeah. Um, it keeps guys off balance. So I think that could be the key into his kind of longevity in games as well, just because guys have, you know, after that rookie year start, they picked up on his pitches and how he likes to approach the game and whatnot. So he has to adjust that's on him now. And it's taking a little bit longer, I think, than everyone to see. Uh, but that's why he's been so disappointing for most of his starts is because we know the potentials there. We know he has the stuff and now it's just figuring out a way to use it effectively and to paint. And it looks like he's coming up with a good approach here. Had a couple weeks off, uh, which they never confirmed, but we pretty much knew it was COVID related. So maybe that was a good, good amount of time to just clear his head and, and kind of move on there. But good to see the sheriff uh, just being Chris Paddock. Not, he said it too, not ha- trying to worry about being some hyped up guy that, that he wants to be just focusing on himself and just just throwing the baseball. I mean, that's that's all he needs to do. We need a lot of innings from him this year with how guys have been getting injured and whatnot. So uh, good to see that he's he's uh, trending in the right direction for sure. But anyways, speaking of trending, we got some trending stats here for y'all. Trent Grisham five for nineteen this past week with a slash of a three sixty eight batting average, four seventy eight on base percentage, and. I believe the OPS is wrong. It says 360 on here, so I'm assuming it's a little bit higher. Um, but anyways, moving on to Austin Nola. Good to see him heating up. We thought that he'd be a little bit cold coming off that finger injury. Oh, that uh, the 368, that's his slugging. He's th- only 368 slugging? Yeah. Interesting. So that is correct. Well done, Los. Um, I don't know how that's – possible if it's let me i'll double check OBP. you, you yeah. go ahead go okay ahead. go for it um he's getting negative after his obp so whatever baseball website we're looking up is is lame at the moment but anyways austin nola good to see him picking up 514 a home run with a slash of 357 500 and 643 that sounds about like sounds about like oh my gosh i can't talk right now that sounds good i'm gonna get rid of that last uh little phrase right there and Cronenworth he's heating up again as well five for 20 with a slash of 350 435 and 400 so good to see those guys trending in the right direction and yeah the 368 is correct that is what he is slugging right now interesting 
I yeah, I guess just just a lot of <laughs> just a lot of singles, I guess, is what it sounds like. But it'll play. I mean, he's he's getting on base. He's hitting the ball real well. Him and Crone are just doing their thing, and um, we kind of glossed over it a little just because the game's going on right now. But five three in the eighth, looking Oof. like we're gonna get um, a dub. Knock on wood. Didn't jinx it. Don't blame it on me. But. Um, Bring in the shark. It's almost yeah. Here. Bring in the shark, the turf god. But weather's rough first inning, but just doing what he does, shaking it off, and had a had a pretty good outing after that. Um, four four innings pitched, two earned runs. Um, Lamette came in, gave up a run, but probably as sharp as I've seen him all season. So that was really encouraging. He threw two innings, gave up two hits, one earned run. Stammen, uh two-thirds of an inning, Adams, a third of an inning, Pagan an inning, and then it's looking like Melanson's going to come out to close it. But we're looking like we're going to get the sweep. Overall, hell of a week. I mean, to only give up one against the Rockies, to sweep probably the best team in the National League and doing it with guys named John Ravioli or whatever his name was. Um, Ravioli. Patty Kiv- <laughs> Kivlahan, um, the OG, yeah. Mar- Marcano, Yvonne Castillo, like one. Yes, that's amazing. That's just how deep we are. But I mean, they, they find ways to get wins. So the boys are trending up. You absolutely love to see it. And speaking of trending back to the pitching, just two quick stats this week on some some great trends that we're seeing. Musgrove and Diaz. Most innings pitched, um, five for each, um, and they both only gave up one earned run. Diaz, like we touched on, has looked great ever since he's been called up. He has a .8 whip and a .187 average against him over this last week as well. So he has been absolutely huge. Now that minor leagues are getting going, um, we're going to give some updates here as the season goes on and as these guys kind of make their way up. But Walls, you are our local minor league um, <laughs> expert affiliate of the Podfathers um, family. Can you give us an update? Yeah, I got you. Um, I was telling telling you this at the game, but uh, I used to download the minor league baseball app uh, April 1st of every single year, pretty much, just because I knew that we were probably going to be so bad. Uh, so I wanted to check in on the farm to see how the boys would be doing, hopefully here in the future. So um, just continuing that to to roll on. But um, yeah, AAA, just trying to uh, highlight some guys for you that uh, did well in the in the each level this year, or sorry, this year. Well, I guess this year, but this week, uh, AAA Chihuahuas. Mason Thompson, so far five games, one and oh record, five innings pitched, two strikeouts, a 0.6 whip, and two saves. I'm going to put this out there. He is going to be a key part in the latter end of the season for the San Diego Padres. I'm just throwing that out there. He looks fantastic. They drafted him as a starter, actually. Um, and he's apparently closing for our AAA squad right now. So good to see. Double A missions. You've probably heard of this guy on the podcast and just over spring training. CJ Abrams, hot start, 49 at bats with a 306, 382, and an 892 slash line there. 
Couple that with two home runs, seven RBIs, and three stolen bases. So absolutely love to see CJ off to the hot start there. Uh, low A 10 caps, who are the higher A of the A ball squads this year with Lake Elsinore falling to the low A. Uh, remember that. That is a little bit of a difference this year. Uh, Edwin Bencomo, pitcher, 9.2 innings pitch, 17 strikeouts with a .93 ERA and a .72 whip. And low A, Lake Elsinore, Bobby Hassel, the third, as off to a hot start as well. Uh, so good to see him and the bro, CJ Abrams, getting off to a hot start. Bobby with a 40, with a 43 at-bats with a 283, 436, and a 1.081 slash line there. Two home runs, 11 RBIs, four stolen bases. So just absolutely love to see the, uh, the high prospects, especially uh, coming in hot. Uh, typically... You don't see that all ticking all at once. So just to see them get off of a off to a good start here early in their 2021 season. Yeah, yeah, I love to see it. So we'll we'll keep you guys tuned in on all that stuff. Um, this week we have a couple questions for you from the mailbag walls. I will I'll read them off. I'll let you take your first stab at them, and then I'll uh, I'll follow up. So this one from Kendall Benson, big needs. 619 uh you boys have brought it up but i really want to know why we haven't brought up gore and just see where he's at i know he's been off a bit but might as well kick the tires with guys out yeah so with gore i personally still think it's a little bit too early um for me i looked at his stats so far i know he had a good good first start in in triple a but right now he's sitting at a 540 era in triple a not, Pacific Coast League's a, a hitters friendly league as well down there. So typically it's harder to get uh, consistent good pitching numbers, anyways. But with that being said, it's only been one week of the year. I, for them to have this quote unquote slow development with him, uh, as opposed to a guy like Ryan Weathers, for example, they must see that he's just not quite ready. And they're just looking for a little bit of extra consistency. I think, especially we saw it in spring training, the location wasn't quite there. Uh, Some innings it was, but just consistently overall, it wasn't, wasn't quite there. So I think they're, they're looking for him to hone into that. So with that being said, I think they're just going to leave him down there. I think they're a guy that they're not going to want to come into the bullpen. I think they see him just truly as a potential ace in the future. So Unlike Weathers, unlike, you know, potentially Mason Thompson, unlike guys like uh, Adrian Morihone and Michelle Baez, who came up and they Preller's idea and the organization's idea was to get their their toes kind of dipped into the the major league level. Um, I think from my you know understanding, it looks like they're just trying to keep him as a starter. Don't mess with it. Don't tinker with it and just build off you know, any bit of experience you can get, whether that was double A, whether that's triple A this year, whether that's at the major league level, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's going to get thrown into the bullpen. So long answer for your short question there, but that's why I'm feeling that uh, Gore hasn't been been called up just yet. I don't think he's quite ready. Yeah, I don't think he's ready either. I'm not going to go that deep into it. I think you hit it on the head, but um I don't think the starting pitching is as much of a concern now that weather seems to be kind of building up again. And Lamette looked good today. And if that continues to progress, then there's no need to rush him out there. And on top of that, um, 
they've been pretty clear that they're not just going to throw him out there to the Wolves, especially if he's not pitching well. And if they haven't done that yet, why would they do that now, in my opinion? I, I'm not totally against that. I, I, I think he's been down there for a hell of a long time, but they just don't think he's ready. So, um, maybe he's only 21, soon. I think, too. I know. So. He is. Born, I was young. looking at that right now. Born in 1999. That just makes me sick to look at. But. <laughs> <It does. laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Are the Padres shopping for any starting pitching? Um, like you said, not from anywhere that we've seen on Twitter, on the internet, anywhere from the beat writers. I haven't seen anything right now as to where they've been looking for starting pitching. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Ryan Weathers has come in. He's still healthy right now. Chris Paddock is trending in the right direction. So I think uh, they seem to be in a good spot right now. I know Lamette just came out of the bullpen today for the first time in his career. Yeah. So he's always a guy that can go in there and give you a spot start at the moment. It'll be really interesting to see his, his progression and see if he can get back to that five, six inning uh, length. I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe in two months, if, if all goes well, uh, who knows with, with that elbow of his, but yeah, I don't see, I don't see them trading for any, big names, you know, at the trade deadline yeah. or unless it's like a one-year rental and we got a couple injuries in the next couple months. But for right now, no, I think that they'd maybe look to add another bullpen piece, especially you said Pomeranz got hurt. Uh, Kella's getting a second opinion on his elbow in Texas. So whenever you hear a second opinion, that usually means the first one didn't go too well. So I don't want to call anything early, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him done for the year, which is a huge, huge loss for this bullpen because he's an absolute dog. Um, and then you just see, you know, guys are going to get uh, pick up injuries and get labored, especially with how much it looks like we like to use the bullpen. So for me, I think that they'd maybe go more of a bullpen piece later down the road. But as of right now, um, I don't see anything in the works, but don't sleep on AJ. He's he doesn't sleep. So. Don't sleep on him. Yeah. So are the Padres shopping any starting pitching? Um, I wish I I knew that answer. If I did, that would mean <laughs> I work for the Padres and I was in the organization. I'm just a podcaster. If that, that is just obsessed with the Padres. <laughs> so in my opinion, in my humble opinion, shot duck. Um, I don't think so. Obviously, we're not completely healthy, but like we touched on, I think we're trending in the right direction. And even if we did need some starting pitching, uh, I would look, I think they would look within Jesse Schultons right now. I know the season is just getting mm-hmm. started, but he's it. he's with the El Paso Chihuahuas, 2-0 right now, 0.77 ERA through two games, 11 innings pitch, 13 strikeouts with a 0.43 whip. So, I think they would turn to someone like him before we really do anything drastic um, and go out and get somebody. Maybe once we get closer to the trade deadline, um, it's worth a conversation. But for now, I don't think AJ's um, he's always on the phone and on the pulse, but I don't think he's making anything. There's nothing serious brewing. And then his second question is why do all of our shortstops insist on throwing short hops to first if Machado can do it from third, why can't the shortstop? Um, I, I'll tell you right now, they're not trying to do that. <laughs> but um, they, 
yeah, it's it has been a concern for sure. I know. That's I mean, weird. Kim, Kim has been absolutely lights out defensively, but even he has short hopped quite a few. Yeah. And but that's why shortstop is the toughest position to play in the infield because of the amount of range that you need, yeah. uh, the arm that you need as well, and whatnot. And clearly, third base is tough too, just with how long um, that throw is consistently. But a lot of times at shortstop, you're on the run, you're going right to your right, going to your left um, at a pretty quick pace too. So it, it's, it's something that hopefully that they can clean up because uh, you, you make a good point. They need to improve on it for sure. If we're going to make a deep run into October and get there in the first place, we're going to need to see a lot more consistency out of the shortstop play. So hopefully they're working on that when they're not yeah. playing their games. For yeah, sure. I would say that they're not insisting on it, for one. And then, yeah. two, I would focus on the second part of your question, which was if Machado can do it from third, mm-hmm. why can't the shortstop? That, my friend, is because Machado was blessed with an absolute rocket arm that 99.9% of humans were not blessed with. So <laughs> there's only one Manny Machado. Unfortunately, we don't have another one that can also play short, but um, yeah, I think it's not on purpose. Obviously I know, I know you didn't mean uh, that question like that, but hopefully they figure it out. I think ha Song's done a great job. I think, I think Tatis is going to figure it out, but um, yeah. he, he definitely does need to clean it up. Um, this one's from Lauren, Lauren BB 89, who are the worst broadcasters from this weekend, ESPN or Fox sports one. Oh my. Um, I got to go with Fox Sports 1. That was atrocious yesterday. Like, I know A-Rod's bad, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, Matt Vaskersian's on the call. And I I don't really like the guy too much anymore, just with how he's kind of handled his past Padres. I don't know. He just hasn't given them, like, a ton of respect in in that sense. That's just an opinion. Um, But with that being said, he's still a good announcer overall, especially – it's tough. It is really tough to call a game – just for teams that you don't know, like Don and mud get the, you know, as hard as that is, they get to see the team uh, day in day out. And so, you know, it, it just, uh, it makes that job much tougher with that being said, you gotta, you gotta at least react to stuff. I mean, when there's home runs hit and they're like, Oh, another ball over the fence. Cool. So uh, how's your golf game? And it's like, dude, like M put it perfectly on Twitter, how much we are underappreciate Don and mud because, they are so fantastic. They get so hyped for everything. And for baseball, that's not your typical, you know, classic way to approach the game. But we're just very lucky and blessed to have those those two guys for sure. But uh, quick answer, the Fox Sports one. I did not like it really at all. Yeah, and I they're ESPN the most time. They so. both suck. That's my answer. Um, <laughs> last question real quick. I'm going to answer for the both of us just because we need to wrap up here. Cool, cool. Um, what was it? Sorry, guys. I lost uh, <laughs> I lost the questions. Oh, here we go. Is Jace Tingler good? Yes, he's good. Okay, yes. moving on. Um, quick shout outs for the week. Shock Doc, love the questions. Shock Doc 73, thanks for interacting with us, man. You kill it. Um, keep asking us questions. Those were great. Um, we'll always use them in the mailbag. Yeah, Nancy W. Cabus at Telegram 51. Appreciate all the interaction this week. Keep it up. We love all that with y'all fans. 
Yes, sir. And then we'll close it out with Dolan Hall, a.k.a. Darth Hall, a.k.a. The Goat, listening in from (laughs) Washington. One of the boys, one of the day ones. I grew up with this kid. He is probably one of the funniest people you will ever see here. Follow him on TikTok, Twitch, Twitch, whatever he is on. The guy is an electric factory Shout out to you, man. Hope everything's good. I haven't talked to you in a while, but appreciate you. Miss you. Darth Hall Streams is his uh, Twitch. You will not be let down. He is hilarious. Plays a lot of Rocket League. Plays a good amount of COD. Check him out, please. He's he's super funny. Had a great time at uh, our buddy's wedding in, in San Diego. He's killing it on the dance floor per usual. Yeah. He's got the personality for it. So love you, Dawn. Appreciate the uh, the support. And with that, that's the end of episode 18, our uh, legal episode. We are wrapping up. Final thoughts off the top of my head. The El Paso Chihuahua swept the Cardinals this weekend, a.k.a. the El Paso Padres. We killed it. (laughs) Let's keep this momentum going. Friar faithful for life. Let's go, Pods. Hungry for more. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of the Podfathers, a Slam Diego Padres podcast. The Podfathers is produced by Lowson Walls and is executively produced by Jacob Lamb. Our theme song is A Bubba by Trilock. To get in touch with the show, follow us on Twitter at Podfathers619. That is at P-A-D-F-A-T-H-E-R-S 619 or email us at podfathers at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major audio platforms. Go Pods!